Good morning, church. Y'all been listening to me talk, I think, for a few weeks now, and I think what you might have figured out is that uh, I like words. Uh, I like words a little bit. Uh, e- even when I was a kid, I was a, a good reader, and, and today even, I, I find that sitting in Barnes and Nobles in one of those cushy chairs, reading a book and having a cup of coffee is, is one of my happy places. Um, Samuel Clemens, Mark Twain, has this quote. He says, the difference between the almost right word and the exact right word is the difference between the lightning bug and the lightning. And I just love that quote. Y'all like that too. And uh, I've been really enjoying uh, preparing for messages in part because I love digging into the words. Going back and forth from English to Hebrew and English to Greek has been really fun. And y'all know I didn't go to seminary, so this is all new to me, and I'm really enjoying it. Um, earlier this year, I preached on the Hebrew word yurah, which gets translated into English as fear. And so that verse, fear of the Lord, right? Fear of the Lord is the beginning of the wisdom. And what I learned through that study was that it's not really like fear, like your knees knocking together kind of fear. It's more like being overwhelmed or inspired or overcome by great power. Um, and that gives you a new and, and deeper understanding of what that means. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of the wisdom. So I, I really like it, but I also try to be careful because I don't know how much patience y'all have for all my word nerdery, you know? Uh, but, but it gives me more depth into God's word, and, and God's word is good. Amen? The other reason I like words is as I start to study a word, oftentimes what will happen is it will create a picture or a mental model for me. So a couple weeks back, we did a, a, finished up our series on the Beatitudes, and we talked on mercy. And what I realized about halfway through is that we use these words, mercy and grace, together all the time. And I, I had never really gotten past the surface that those, there's a different meaning to each of those words. And so I literally, I Google searched, what's the difference between grace and mercy? And you know how they say, like, there's no such thing as a stupid question? Well, like if you checked my Google search history, you'd see a lot of really not smart questions typed in there. But um, I, I read the definitions of mercy and grace, and I immediately got this picture of a spectrum, bad to good. And here I am over here, broken and busted and a sinner, and I don't deserve mercy. But I get it. I get it anyway. And... God's mercy doesn't just bring me back to neutral. I don't just pass go. I also get to collect $200. And over here, with God's grace, I get to be a child of God. I'm a heavenly creature. I get to sit at the foot of the throne. And now, these beautiful words, mercy and grace, Give me this spectrum, this mental model to help me think about how God loves me. And that's a good thing. And here's what I never want us to to do. To use our words rotely. To be on autopilot. One One of my favorite series Laura ever did was the one on the Lord's Prayer. You know how we go, our Father art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, bread, trespass, kingdom, amen. <laughs> we can get like pretty robotic about it. But in that series, Laura taught us that like when we say our Father, we're using the word Abba, which means daddy. 
right? So this is like a child crying out to their daddy what they need. And we don't say my daddy, we say our daddy, which is an acknowledgement that we need each other. We're coming as a community to the, to the king, king of heaven. And now I understand these words. And when we pray that at the end of the prayer, I can really pray it. And so this is a bit of an experimental um, message for me. I'm thinking eventually this could be a series where we take all these church words that we use and maybe use them without thinking and really take some time to break them down. And what I would ask you all to do is come to me and say, hey, I'd really love to dig into this word or that word. One of the ones on my list is the word nourish. Um, I never use the word nourish unless somebody asked me to bless the food. Bless this food to nourish our bodies. And do you know why I do that? Because I heard somebody else do it one time, and now I'm going to do it. But y'all don't ever go to P. Terry's or go to R.O.'s and get some ribs and go, mmm, these ribs sure are nourishing. Y'all don't do that because it's a weird word to use. But, <laughs> but the, the word we're going to dig in today, uh, the church word that we're going to dig on, in on is the word abide. Abide. Um, Tiffany Hollins, our, our children's director, our pastor, who was just up here doing the children's lesson, she signs all of her emails, abide. And this was when she was, I don't even know if she was in town yet, but we were texting back and forth. I think we were planning out the mission trip or something. And, and uh, I shot back, check you later or something. And she checked, texted me back and she just said, abide. And I don't know why, but I read the word and it just shot me through the heart like an arrow. I think that couple of weeks I'd been having a tough time. I was struggling internally. And that word abide just meant so much to me. And she didn't even know it until this week when I told her. But that word abide became like the lightning for me. Abide. And so the word abide in the Greek, in its most simple form is meno. Meno is the Greek word. And what the word means is to remain to stay, to wait. Meno, abide, shows up in the Greek New Testament 118 times, 118 times. And of those 118 times, I'm gonna use the wrong word here. It's like a conjugation or a a different form of the word throughout these 118 times. There's 29 different versions of that. And depending on how it's shaped and formed, it'll take on a different context and a different meaning. And so I wanted to just read you a few of those to help us really understand this word, abide. And what I invite you to do is, as I, as I read some of these, is just to be picturing things that you picture as these words hit your, hit your ear. So the first one, abide can mean to be held or to be kept or to remain in a place to the extreme that a body would remain in a tomb. So you can almost think about this one like everything being in its right place. Abide can also mean to not depart, but in a relational sense, Um, like to continue to be present with someone, unbroken fellowship, unbroken conversation. You know that thing that happens when you're really talking to somebody and you get locked in and it feels like time just erases? Abide can mean to persevere, to endure, to hold tightly when it could be easier just to let go. Similarly, abide can also relate in certain contexts to holding on as if you were holding on to a physical thing, 
a prized possession. And this last one, and this is my favorite. Abide can mean to tarry as a guest, to linger in a place, to stay a long time, to lodge somewhere, to live in a place. Now, there's a whole lot of questions we could start to try to answer here. I mean, we could start asking, you know, when should we abide and in what should we abide and how should we abide and who should we abide? We could do all that. Let's start here. Let's start in John 15. John 15 stands out because in John 15, there are 11 uses of the word abide. And these 11 uses of the word abide happen in just seven verses. John 15 also stands out among the 118 different times it shows up in the Greek New Testament because this is John 15, Jesus teaching his disciples. And so I'm gonna read this for us in a minute. There's these passages in John 15, but I also wanna just set some context for what's happening in John 15. John 15 is part of a cluster of chapters where there's just a whole lot of teaching going on. Uh, Chapters uh, 14 through 17. Put another way, there's a lot of red text and Jesus' teaching has got the volume turned up. Now, what's happening in John 13 is we're hearing about Passover preparations. And then in John 18, we're hearing about the betrayal of Christ. So 14 to 17 is a very short window of time. It could be weeks or a week or maybe even days. This is Jesus teaching his disciples at his last opportunity. And I wanna be careful here because the scripture doesn't say this but I'm using my imagination. You could imagine there'd be some intensity in this teaching. Here Jesus is talking to his friends and he's only got a little bit of time left. And here it is in John 15 that Jesus is crying to his disciples, abide. Now, somebody told me that Methodists don't like to read more than a few verses, but Well, I'm going to read you all these, and I'll try to read them quick, and I think y'all can hang with me. This is John 15, verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. This is verse seven. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, I love this, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Jump into verse nine. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. Now, we could take those seven verses and I think we could break them down into a whole series and, and try to understand what each saying means. But as I look at the whole passage and try to think, what is Jesus saying to his folks? He's saying, stay in relationship, stay connected. If this was a song, 
the chorus would be, abide in me. And I just love the simplicity of that. Jesus saying, just be with me and I'll be with you. Just be with me. So then, learning to abide is learning to be with God. Staying longer than you intended. Lingering. Tarrying. And being at home. Y'all ever had a thing where somebody invites you to stay in their home and they don't, you don't really know them very well? Like my boss years ago, we, he invited me. I was coming down to Austin before we lived here to, to come for a business trip. And he said, stay in my house. I thought, that's weird. I'm not gonna be very comfortable. But when you're staying in somebody's house, it doesn't take long before you have a glass of wine and you get your pajamas on and you watch some TV and you go, man, I'm at home. I feel comfortable here. My boss, we were connected then. So it's about being at home and bringing all of ourselves to the relationship. So hear this, like, are you a little sarcastic and a little irreverent? Bring that to the relationship. Do you have a checkered past? I'm looking at you, Richard. <laughs> bring, bring that to the relationship, bring it. Do you have a hard time trusting? Bring it. Do sometimes you read some stuff in the Bible and you go, man, that sounds like hocus pocus to me. Well, all right, well, bring it. Here, God, the God of the universe is not scared about what you might bring into the living room. He's not scared. Abide in me. Just be with me. I'm going to tell one more story, and then it's going to get weird. (laughs) All right? That's your warning. You're going to get one more, like, normal church story, and then it's going to get real weird. You ready? I was trying to think about being at home and and being comfortable in places in my life where I feel that. And the first thing that came to my mind is my wife, Mitzi. And I'm not going to look at her because I'm going to get through this. But what I was remembering is our second date. It was on our second date that I realized that I wanted to marry her. She says she knew on our first date, and I tease her, it took me a little bit longer. And then she'll tease me back and say that she's quicker than I am, which is also true. But our second date, we went to Barnes and Noble and we sat out on the patio and we had a cup of coffee and we had magazines and books and we read. We tarried, we lingered, we talked a little, we were quiet a little and it was the most comfortable I had ever felt, you know, since I was a little kid, most home I'd ever felt. And what I'm not trying to say is that Jesus is my girlfriend. But what I am saying is I think that's the kind of comfort, that's the kind of feeling of at home that God wants for us. And now it's going to get weird. I want to ask you to do something for me, and I want you to indulge me. Just close your eyes. And I'm going to keep mine open and watch to make sure that yours are closed. I want you to keep your eyes closed and for a minute, I just want you to breathe. Just breathe. And if your hands are clasped together or holding on to something, 
I'd ask that you open them. Maybe you just put them on your legs and have your palms open. And just breathe. And if you can, I want you to try to listen for your heart beating. Try to feel your heart beating in your chest. And just breathe. And now I want you to picture the place where you're most comfortable. Maybe you thought of a person first. Maybe it's your, your, at your mom's kitchen table. And just breathe. I'm sitting on a patio with my beautiful bride. And now, here, the God of the universe, the God who strung together your DNA, the God who placed this planet the exact right distance from the sun, whispering in your ear and saying, this is where I want you to be. Be with me. Be comfortable. Bring your whole self. Just be with me. Abide. Let's pray. God, here we are in your presence. And we marvel at your mercy and grace. God, thank you for the people of Bee Creek United Methodist Church the members and the visitors. God, this place would not be special without the people here. God, we wouldn't be able to do any work without these people. God, thank you that we can get a little weird. God, thank you that we can be imperfect and bring our whole selves to this place and to you. God, we ask you help us to just rest and just be with you. Help us to abide. 